Views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. would have had serious consequences for the world financial system but may also have empowered the people of Africa, something black activists say the US wants to avoid at all costs. We're slicing cake. We're slicing cake. We're slicing cake. Gaddafi didn't give up. In the months leading up to the military intervention, he called on African and Muslim nations to join together to create this new currency that would rival the dollar and euro. They would sell oil and other resources around the world only for gold dinars. It's an idea that would shift the economic balance of the world. Countries' wealth would depend on how much gold they have, not how many dollars they trade. And Libya has 144 tons of gold. Welcome, welcome everyone to Tando Radio Show, which is by Black Talk Radio Network. I'm your host, Dave, from L.A., coming to you live from Queen Region number six. Today is May the 9th, 2019. It is a Thursday, and my man, Pastor Keith, will be here. Um, I guess he'll be here. Well, he's here um, as well. The co-host is here as well. What's going on? Good morning, Pastor Keith. Um, I guess he's getting, getting ready to come into studio or is on the phone line. So a little early for, for us here, but uh, we're, we're ready to go. Looking forward to it. And at any time, if anyone would like to call in live, you can, you can give us a call, 704-802-5056. 704-802-5056 is the call-in number. So, looking forward to, to that. So, we're going to jump into today's show. But, of course, before we do that, everyone, please support Black Talk Radio Network so it doesn't go dark. We need your financial support. We need you to send donations to the network or be part of the social media platform that supports this network. And you can very easily do them both by either going to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com and hit the donation prompt at the homepage for this network, or in the most expedient way, in the preferred way, is for you to go to www.btrcommunity, which is the social media platform for this network, where you can engage in all of your social media activities without being as adversely affected. And it is for $24 a year, you can post things about yourself, your business, or things that you think that need to be uh, have more public ex- exposure. You can do that there. And it supports this network, and you can actually monetize that within reason in, in promoting yourself and your business, okay? So... That supports this network. We need your overall financial support to stay on air. So please, please, please don't forget Black Talk Radio Network so it can stay on air. Looking forward to staying on air, but we need your help in order to do that. It's very dire, okay? So that's 
what we need to do. So please, please, please engage in that. All right, so we're going to, oh, but before, also, if you would like to acquire real money, then you can go to Prosperity Mint. Prosperity Mint is a full-service precious metals dealership where you can exchange your currency for money, and that is what you should be doing, especially as things become unstable, and we're going to jump and talk and to talk about some of those things today and why they're so important. So we're going to jump into today's show. And as soon as uh, Pastor Keith uh, chimes in, uh, say good morning and get rolling uh, with that. So today's show for uh, April, excuse me, May the 9th, 2019, the topic is the obvious threat we're schooled not to stand against. The obvious threat we're schooled not to stand against is today's show. So we're going to get into that. That will be the topic of today's show. But before we do that, we're going to get into what's in the news and get and then jump right into this. At any time, if you'd like to call in, give us a call, 704-802-5056. 704-802-5056 is the call-in number. And the first article that we got is from Sputnik News. Mike Pompeo warns, special relationship hints on, on U.K. backing U.S. on Iran. This celebrity figurehead secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, was in the U.K. to deliver the annual Margaret Thatcher Lecture at the Center for Political Studies, the think tank, and underscore the value of the U.S.-U.K. special relationship. That is hinging on the U.S. putting a coalition force against Iran. That's what they would prefer. Uh, we'll see what that, how that goes. So, Check out that, that uh, article. Next article from RT International. Iran wants to bring nuclear deal back on track, the Atomic Energy Organ Organization said. The spokesman for the, uh, for the Iranian Atomic Energy Organization says Iran wants to bring the nuclear deal back on, on track. After the country announced it would be suspending some... Okay, that's uh, Keith. Okay, Keith is there. Some of the PAC's uh, restrictions in response to the U.S. sanctions. Our goal is to strengthen the, the JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. Good morning, Keith, and bring back and bring it back to track. What's going on, brother Keith? What's going on? Yes, yeah, Keith is in is in studio. So let me just say this: Iran didn't knock the overall Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action off. The U.S. did one year ago, yesterday. So. The, Iran really doesn't need to to adhere to to any of those things, but they want us they want to adhere to those things with the other nations that they was in agreement. They're like, okay, if we're going to if the U.S. wants to leave the pack, go on and pack, uh, go ahead and leave the pack. So we're going to stay. But here's the problem with that, and what Iran is saying, and they're absolutely right. We didn't leave, you did, and then now when you're leaving. What you did was that you made it impossible for us not to leave that because of this. Once they sanctioned Iran, right, and had other countries, see, if the U.S. was sanctioning Iran, that's one thing. But what the U.S. said, no, since we're sanctioning it, we're going to get the whole world to sanction it. So what is that really? You, you killed the whole deal. You killed the whole deal. Because how can Iran stand something? When the whole world is is now, if you really think about it, 
is attacking them for what you already have. How many nukes does Israel have? But they, we know this, they're the only country that didn't sign the nonproliferation deal. Why isn't the U.S. sanctioning them? Oh, that's a whole different conversation. Why, why does the U.S. get to sanction anybody when you have nukes? So, you, you know, it's a measure of you, you can't tell somebody what they can't have because what you're really doing is that you're telling them, hey, you can't, you can't not be subjugated by us. So, no, it's, it's, and U.S. has every right to say, hey, we're going to do this. I mean, they have. You mean Iran? No, the U.S. The U.S. has every right to say, guess what? We're going to bully you. We're going to push you. We're going to terrorize you to, 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 to surrender to our overall objectives. And if you don't, we'll do this. Every person can do that. But then the flip side now, is that right? Is that morally correct and morally right? Absolutely not. But they still can do it because why? They have the will and they have the ability to do it. So if you have a car, what you do with that car is your choice. But there are some things that you can choose that's wrong. And the U.S. has always been on the wrong side. So now what are the other countries doing? I better protect myself from the wrong, the wrong way driver or the one-way driver. And that's just the truth that nobody really, really wants to, to listen to or, or to acknowledge. So, you know, you take that a step farther, though. Um, the United States at this point, the only word that I could use to describe them at this point is what would be nonsensical. They don't make sense on any level concerning anything these days. Because they're never they're, they're never morally correct. They're, they're absolutely morally wrong on everything. It's a, it, it, it is really a tyrannical regime. They try oh, to absolutely. they try to say other countries are, and they try. To, but no, you, you you are, and and the evidence is there. And the thing is, we can't be afraid to notice that because then that means what? Their overall threat scares us to the point that we ignore our moral. Compass, which is where we are. Yes, I mean I think that we sit in a balance between two things. Uh, one is like you said, as long as we're sitting on top, we don't care about morality. That's half. But I think the other half is just uh, they don't care. Yeah. Or they're they're unaware. I think the United States, even though they're aware of what they do as a country. I think that as a citizen, we are the most unaware people on the globe right now. But, well, that's, that's because we have a baseball season. We have a basketball season. We have a hockey season. We have a football season. We have an uh, entertainment season all year round. And then we have the overall, uh, the, the what's in style season. What's, what's you know, what's Reality popular. Show. What's popular, this and that. What's. What, what makes us com comfortable? You know, the new Tesla. You don't have to. You know, it can drive you around, and all these other things. And that, all of that stuff, is a distractor and a deterrent, and it's it's actually a tactic to get people. But here's the thing that is really the most pressing thing: why why the general people, the general population in in, in this jurisdiction, 
are not aware of really what's going on because they're overworked. They're trying to keep up with a status that you will never catch up on. You will always be behind. And so because of that, what does that do? It where Have you ever been fatigued? When you, be, when you become fatigued, this is where injuries happen, right? It's because why? The body isn't able to, to pay attention to or to strengthen itself. It gets weaker from fatigue. So when you, when, one of the things that this system has done is that it mastered the art of war, of subjugation against the general population. What do you do? If you, if you tire them out, Right? If you tire them out, then they won't have the energy to stand and see, okay, I'm strong. When you're tired, what do people say? I'm weak. I need help. That's true to a degree. Let me give a counter to that, though. And I'm going to tell you a personal story. When I was in college, I was on an athletic scholarship. I tore up my ankle. And, um, I dropped out of school, you know, because I was devastated. And I ended up going to go working for a contract company in a military chow hall. Dave, I was making big money for that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big money, right? Uh-huh. But guess what? I felt as though, back to your word, I felt like a slave. It seems like I woke up early in the morning, went to work, got off late, went home, went to bed, woke up early and went to work. I was exhausted. Because I was so exhausted, I was like, you know what? This can't be. I, I, I got to find out why and where I am and what I need to do to change where I am. Yeah. Okay? Because this ain't working. Why haven't the American people, in their fatigue, and all those other things, said, you know what? Why are we where we are? Yeah. And I think, Keith, if you really look at it, Keith, every, every individual is uniquely different. Every individual is uniquely different. We all come to different realizations. We all think differently. We all have talents, but they're not all the same. We all have measures of fatigue and levels of fatigue that, are not, that, does, that do not mimic that of another person. And so it's a measure, it, it's really a process. So in the fatigue that, we're, that, that most people here are under is that they have to work constantly. Think, think about it. We don't really work. We, we are actually giving our, our energy into enslavement for not even monetary gain, because there's no monetary gain. It's really for a measure of trading, surviving. I was just getting ready to say survival. It's, it's really a matter, matter of survival. And, you know, what was George Carlin? No. As you are, if, if you weren't familiar with some of the things that George Carlin used to do in his, he wasn't, I don't think that he, I think we overshadow the last that we got from George Collins, and we really didn't look at and hear the real message because, and through the laughter. George Collins was almost a prophet. What, what, what he was talking about, 
That wasn't funny. No. It wasn't funny. But what it was was that he presented it in a humorous way. Years before, you know, he was talking about this stuff. That the... Well, he was talking about what was really going on. Absolutely. If you talk about what's really going on, if you could go back to, 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 to Malcolm, if you hear what Malcolm said from back when he was speaking and, and Dr. King and some other people, you would say that they were prophets because guess what? What they were talking about, what they were going through then, is actually still happening now. So that overall, that overall speech is practical because we're going on. It's, it's, the, same, it's the same stuff. It's the same stuff a different day. Relevant. Is, is relevant. So there is a, is nothing funny about what Carlin was talking about. Because th what Carlin was talking about was killing, destroying, and enslaving people. And that's not a funny thing. Yeah. It's not funny. But he, th that was his method of delivery because that's where his talents were. And so that's what he did. So we are all in a measure of survival. In that measure of survival, guess what we can't do? We can't prosper. Because when you're, when you're busy trying to survive, you're not able to cognize, with a cognitive approach, put together a method of prosperity. It's kind of like if a plane is going down, Keith, if you're on a plane and it starts to go down, right, and you're the pilot, you're, you're the, one of the two pilots, or depending on how big the plane is, if you're the pilot and then the, the whatever they have, the controller, the, the radio controller, whoever they have on the larger planes, I don't know if they still have, no, they only have two on all planes now. Yeah. So if you're one of the two pilots, pilot and co-pilot, and the plane is starting to go down, right, and as it starts to go down, you're going to be preoccupied we're trying to save the plane, right, Keith? Right. You know, you're going through your emergency procedures. In your emergency procedures, and because of the emphasis of time and because of how dire the situation is, does any pilot at that time hit the button for the stewardess to bring them some coffee with cream and sugar um, and just make it a little, you know, a little hotter on the side? Do they have time for that? You would hope not. Well, no, we, we, we know that, you, and you know from being on a plane, when, when things are going wrong, there's many things that you have to contend with to get that plane back stable. Because what's the outcome if you don't? Yeah. It's crash, burn, everybody gone. So that's really what we're under. We don't have time to establish prosperity because we're busy trying to keep the plane from crashing. And guess what? The ground is getting closer and closer, and our efforts aren't recovering the plane. Is not recovering the plane. Okay, so, but here's what I see the problem is, right? So, using the same scenario, right? There was a, when the plane goes down, depending on the type of your plane, you know, what happens is as your nose gets steeper and steeper, right? You go into what they call a aggravated spin. So then your your wings pick up more and mm -hmm. they start spinning faster and faster, and you're going down faster and faster. Mm -hmm. Now 
in your emergency procedures, there's some things, some corrective actions to pull you up out of that. Mm -hmm. If you don't do those things, guess what? That spin is going to get faster and faster and tighter and tighter. Right. My problem is it looks like as a country, we ain't doing emergency procedures. We're doing things to make us go into a more and more aggravated spin. Well, now, when you say us as a country, you just you mean the people or are our politics, the, the, supposedly yes. the, our politicians. Well, I don't think that their 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 actual spin that they're putting in everyone is is intentional. So that they're they're doing very well. It's because wait, wait, wait. you said it's not intentional. No, I said it is intentional. Okay. So the spin that that, that in using your analysis. The spin that, that is purpose, but us as the passengers, we think that the overall pilots are trying to get us out of the spin when they're not. They're trying to get this, the, the spin to accelerate. Okay. And they're, un, and they're on the speaker saying, we're trying to save, you know, grace for impact and all this other thing. This is what we need you to do. This, this, this. So we think that they're in it with us. But lo and behold, do we don't know is that that voice that's speaking to us is from someone that's already on the ground. Okay. And, he, and immune from the impact. Okay. If you get what I'm saying. I got exactly what you're saying. But at this point in time, the passenger is like, we're going to tell us how you spend and they're telling me to unbuckle my seatbelt? They're telling me to get up and start moving around the cabin? No, what they're telling them is that don't worry about it. We'll take care of it, and everything will be fine. We're going get to get out of this spin. And because this spin is happening, because there's other planes that have put us in that spin. So when we get on the ground, we're going to go over and we're going to go beat up everybody that was on that plane and that pilot because they purposely put us into that spin. Boy, it's a mess. It's really, really a mess. So we, uh, this is where we are. And I really think that that's why today, the, today's show the name of today's show is what it is. And today's show's name is the obvious threat we're schooled not to stand against. And we're schooled to just to participate and you'll be all right. Compete, compete. Put your energy here, put your energy there. Because while you're preoccupied, you're not able to see that this is all a method, a methodized program. This is all a, it's a systematic, asymmetrical approach to subjugation and enslavement. And if you're trying to work within those confines, guess what happens? Guess what happens? You pridefully invest even more. And when people invest their pride, guess what they're willing to do, Keith? They're willing to kill or defend their pride. This system has taught us to be willing to kill to defend our pride. Well, if they're willing to defend our pride, which I don't argue, what are they willing to do for self-preservation? Yes. So, so we, I think we just need to have a whole different approach. So, But let's get, get a little further into this. Next article. This one is from 
from Rutherford's. D is for dictatorship. Disguised as democracy. There it is. That's so true. D is for dictatorship disguised as democracy. Very true. Next article, I want to thank my man Carlos for sending this. RT International, U.S. cuts power off the Venezuelan embassy with activists uh, besieged inside. Say that again. So the U.S. cut off, well, the power at the uh, the power at the Venezuelan embassy in Washington, they cut the power off oh. there. You know, so, but I think that's very important because what did they do? What, did they, what happened to Venezuela? The power got cut off. Who cut the power off? Under the same policies and procedures, they cut the power off at the embassy. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not irony. It's an agenda. People say, isn't that ironic? No, it's, it's beyond what ironic is, okay? Because ironic means that it's not purposeful. So, see, they even make us speak in a language to actually, we give, let me tell you something. If someone, if we uphold people's lies, then guess what? We're upholding a lie because they're speaking the truth. The problem is we're upholding a lie, upholding a, a lie. So it's not a matter of that they're lying, but once you uphold the lie, it becomes a truth. They're speaking a truth because you're upholding a lie. Keep looking at me like, what do you mean by that, Dave? Well, no, I, I believe that goes to what I say all the time. Yeah. That perception is everything. dictates reality. It, it sure does. It definitely does. So check out that article. Next article from Bloomberg. This one is, it's not what I wanted to put there. Okay, so sorry about that. I can't, that's not the one I wanted. Uh, oh, man. Okay, next, next one, yeah. Next one, article from Bloomberg. China's default hits record in 2008. 2009 is on pace to triple that. Default in whom? Uh, just uh, some of their monetary defaults inside of. This year is shaping up to be the biggest by far for defaults in China. 13 trillion bond markets highlighted the, the, wild, uh, the widening fa uh, fallout from the government's campaign to, to rear in leverage. So it's basically just overall... Uh, company defaults inside of, of 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 China and just defaults, loan defaults, and, and things of that nature. Let me tell you why, and it's, it's so funny. How do you nullify the U.S.? You default on all of the debt that you have with it. Because now, guess who has the problem? The one that, you see, when you're in debt, there's, there's multiple things you got to look at. If you're in debt to someone, you really don't have a debt problem. They do. Because if you don't pay, who does it affect? Yeah. Yep. Unless they have resources. Because then guess what I mean? Now they, have, they can sustain anything that the market does, anything that the economy does. And now they, they actually put you into default to do what? 
to subjugate and enslave you even more. So check out uh, that. Well, you said, unless now in our case, uh, the United States' case, the default to the United States, it hurts the United States, and it doesn't hurt the U.S. United States one bit because the U.S. United States is not in debt. The U.S. does not have but who is debt. kind of defaulting to. In the United States, here's where the debt, the general liability of the citizenry is in debt. That's when they say the national debt. Remember, we always say this. They create debt that they don't have to pay. When they create that debt, who is that overall service of that overall debt obligation uh, uh, relinquished to? The everyday person. Sure. So that's what I mean by that. The US, remember, I think Germany lost the war, right? Yeah. No, the German people had to pay for that loss in so many different ways. Germany still did what did well. The organization of uh, uh, the the corporation of Germany was still in business. The people had to. So, really, really important. So check out that. This is why it's so funny when when people. I, I heard some people say, well, the U.S. has gold. And then they say this. I, I love and This is why I always say this. You're, you're, this will sound familiar to, to you. Well, we have gold. Well, we have a lot of gold, this and that. Okay. I ask this question. How much gold do we have? And they say, well, we got this, this, this. Okay. Who does it belong to? Where's yours? So you letting them hold your gold. So that means you don't have no gold. So let's, who's we? So they may have gold, but you don't. So very, very important. So check out. Well, and, and it's still, I can't buy that. Um, and the reason being is because they don't have gold. And because of the fact they don't have gold, if you got a little bit of it, Guess who's coming to get it? Yeah, well, you got to be strategical in everything you do. Right, Keith. Very, very, very important. So there's a lot of things that we have to look at differently, you know. And this is why, you know, I wanted to say, to, you know, we have to have a different thought. Why the obvious threat we're schooled not to stand against. So check out that article. Next article from Press TV. The EU rejects Iran's 60-day deadline on a nuclear deal. The European Union rejected a 60-day deadline set by Tehran for, remaining, for the remaining signatories to the 2015 nuclear deal to address Iranians' illegal, uh, legal rights and protect the interests against the U.S. sanctions, saying, however, that the bloc will stay committed to the agreement for now. All staging out, y'all. Check out that. Next article from Sputnik News. North Korea fires two, uh, two suspe uh, suspected short-range missiles, South Korea military said. Next article from Washington Examiner. They said uh, that they did that in protest yeah. to uh, uh, the United States pulling out of this. Yeah. United States pulling. So it, it's all coming together. It's all coming together. Next article from the Washington Examiner. Maduro, uh, oops. Maduro providing a safe haven for Iranian terrorists in the West, Pence says. You hear the buzzwords, Keith? Celebrity figurehead, Vice President Pence, 
says Maduro is providing a safe haven for Iranian terrorists in the West. Once again, they're going to use the WMD tactic to do what? Have to liberate the people of Venezuela from the regime, the dictatorial regime that's there. We need to go in and we need to liberate you. To give you the American liberty. And here's the taxes that go along with it, that it will enslave you for generations upon generations. It's crazy, but here it goes. Venezuelan strongman, Nicolas Maduro, is partnering with Iran to establish a beachhead for terrorist groups in the Western Hemisphere. Vice President Mike Pence warned Tuesday. The Iranian regime has been working with the Venezuela's corrupt dictatorship to establish a safe haven for, for its terrorists, terrorist proxies, Pence said at a Council of Americas, before the Councils of America. It's all set up so well for the rest of the, for, like I said, for the purge of the U.S. The U.S. has everything that the U.S. is blaming other countries for. They're doing it tenfold and have been doing it. It's their standard operations of procedure everywhere, domestically and internationally. So that's what's in. Oh, and there was one other from Reuters. I didn't post it yet. The USS aircraft carrier Abraham Lincoln has now uh, made his way through the Strait of Hormuz. Is is there uh, as we speak now? One one quick, really quick. Let me um, let me find that. So that's what's in the news. Let me um, let me pull that up real quick. Let me see where the that strike group. Is let me see if I can just bear with me, you all, trying to find that uh, article. I just had it. Now I, I lost it, but I wanted to, to to jump on that. But at any time, if you'd like to get in on the conversation, give us a call. I read another article, and this article talked about how they uh, put money into this new uh, fighter jet. Who's that? Uh, the United States. That has cost almost a trillion dollars that's turning out to be a flop. Um, mm. I know we've never done anything like that before, but I just, again, I find it so interesting that we're going into a tight spin, and it seems like everything that we're doing, everything that the United States is doing. is exacerbating that situation. So it tells you what intentionally done. You know, it's so funny, Chief, and I'm glad you said that. If someone is sincere, it becomes very obvious in short order. But if you keep giving someone, if you keep giving someone that's addicted to something, the opportunity, and you accept those excuses, guess what they're going to do? They're going to give you a new, more elaborate excuse each and every time. Each and every time. So that's what's in the news. 
So if you'd like to get in on the conversation, give us a call, 704-802-5056. 704-802-5056 is the call-in number for you to jump in. And I wanted to see where the Strike Carrier Group, uh, the article, let me just find that real quick. And before we get into Okay, here it is. This is Reuters. One second. I got it. Let me clear my throat. All right, so don't want to have any dead air. I'm sorry, you all. Just let me see. I, I had so many things open. Let me see if I can uh, find this one article. Well, they're saying that the USS uh, Abrams is now in the Strait of uh, Hormuz, has made its way. And it's reported on Reuters. I, I had the article, but I got so many things open, I can't find it right now. And I guess I should close some of these. But, you know, I, I use them for so many different things. So um, please, please uh, forgive me on that one. Okay, where did I? Okay, so here we go. This is uh, from Reuters. Reuters reports that the USS uh, Abraham Lincoln, which has been dispatched to the Mediterranean last week amidst worsening tensions with Iran, has passed through this, the uh, Suez Canal. So it's the Suez Canal, the first stop in what appears to be a journey into Iranian waters. The aircraft carrier Abra uh, Abraham Lincoln sent a warning to, to sent as a warning to Iran passes through the, the, the Egyptian Suez Canal. The Canal Authority says the report cited the Canal Authority as the main source. So it just shows that that overall uh, carrier group, which is 72, uh, CVN 72, uh, and is of the 6th Fleet. And the 5th Fleet is, is always stationed there, if I remember, uh, Keith. The 5th Fleet is always stationed uh, there, that's one of their home ports, and the Sixth Fleet uh, is now there. So, uh, I think it's two of the nine aircraft carriers that the U.S. has now is in the Gulf uh, region or that that overall region. So, going to be ugly, going to be ugly, and just hope it doesn't go into further. So, all right. So, here we go. Today's show. Today's show is the obvious threat we're schooled not to stand against. And, and we've been taught, Keith, as you already know, in so many ways, we've been propagandized, we've been schooled, we've been encouraged, we've been threatened, we've been given the ultimatum of we have to be a part of something that's in our, not in our best interest. And we, so we think that there is a, a situation or a relationship that we can say we and, and it be correct. And, and what I'm speaking of is that we've been told that because you're born in the United States, that makes you a U.S. citizen. We're told that with that comes responsibility. Comes no, 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 Keith. Comes allegiance. Comes in something that you should be proud of. And see, once again, there's that striking 
that emotional striking of something that's very deadly known as pride. So what it is is that we are ignorant. We are ignorant by pride. So in that, they built up as you're in the richest nation in the world, you should be appreciative that you're in that, in that overall condition. You're in the most powerful nation in, in the world. That means that you're the most powerful citizen. You have more rights than anybody else. You're special. You're more special than anybody else. Aren't you glad to be you, and aren't you glad not to be them? That overall pride striking strikes in so many and is stoked in so many ways. That flame is stoked in so many ways. It's stoked in, in geopolitical, uh, between the overall party size. It's stroked economically, the, the haves and the has-nots. Like George Carlin said, is that how they enslave people, the best way to do is that they make people deathly afraid of being homeless. Parents reinforce that overall notion. And what we really do is that we deter people from doing, being themselves, and you better go along with, you ready for it, Keith? I know you heard it. Why can't you just go along with the program? The program is you, you extend your schooling. You do this and you do that. Else you're going to be homeless. And then you know what they used to say to you in the military, they used to say this, you, just to, to use that as the example. You better do what we say or this, this because what's going to openly happen to you, if you don't re-enlist, you don't do that, you're going to be working at McDonald's for the rest of your life. You heard that before, Keith. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and this all gets magnified, Keith, it gets magnified by our personal flaws. A hurt child grows up to be an angry adult. So if you can hurt a child, their flaws they will use to do what? Hurt others. They'll use their flaws and they'll gravitate to it. Hey, and they will naturally graduate, uh, gradu I mean, uh, They'll nat naturally gravitate towards it and be, want to be a part of it. You know why, Keith? Because it's it's a pain remedy. It's pain relief. When you've been hurt and you've been wrong. You find pleasure in saying and being able to, one, make sure nobody ever wrongs you because guess what the, the, the process you become? I'm going to get them before they get me. What about a and mystery it's, love company? Does that fit in there? Sure, sure it does. But it's, it's, I think it's, it's even more pronounced. Yeah. And I think that that pronouncement is not without. They they do that as well. Uh, how many times have you heard? There is no I in team. You know, uh, and that's so destructive. That's so destructive. Now, 
who is structuring the team to do what? See, now, I have no problem. Collective prudence is very, very important. It's, it's the balance of the universe working in cooperation. But cooperation can have an agenda to be benevolent or malevolent. But what happens here is that we're, ta we're taught to be as evil, as evil as you possibly can be, while you wear the cloth of a saint. Give the appearance that you're a saint, but what your real actions are is as devilish as you can become. Well, which is the M.O. Yeah. of Satan. Yeah. Because he says when he shows himself, he shows himself to be what? Yeah. A being of light. The opposite of what he is. Sure. So, and, and that's the practice that governments have mastered. And they go to institutions to be schooled as to how, think of all of the training programs. You remember when Penn said we, we were taught to lie, steal, and cheat? Well, it's done on so many different levels. It's done on so many different levels. We are actually trained to be our own worst enemies. We are actually trained to be the most perfect participant of subjugation that we could possibly can be. Scotty hit it off correct. Once you learn to resist, you've already won. Everything else, he didn't say this, he said this, once you learn to resist, you've already won. True. That's so, so true. Now, everything else is about you building that resistance even further, that commitment even further. Okay, so let me ask you. So what happens when you get to the point where is like today in the United States? We have already shown that we do our stuff in the dark, but we present ourselves differently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But today, the United States doesn't even care about presenting itself as a light. No. And not only do they not even care, but the citizens are falling in line behind that. And again, you look at our political system, you look at what the citizens' response to that is, and they don't care that they're wrong, that they're doing wrong, that they're hypocritical and everything else. They're fine with it. You know, just a short period of time, they used to, one of their favorite things was, well, we are a country laws. Or, you know, we are about, we're a country of war. Well, what does that, what that really, and like, what is that, a country of laws, what does that really mean? In their definition, they were basically saying that, back to the word says, we do things right and in order. And, in, and civilized, right. Here's what a country of laws really means. We've trained our dogs to obey. We sent all of our city, citizens to school, to obedient schools. And they follow our commands. They follow our agenda. 
even to the approach, even to the point of compromising their oath, their, their morality. Because guess what? They don't have any morality anymore. We established that. We tell them what to think. We tell them what to fight for. We tell them what to regurgitate from us. And how do they do that? It's a propaganda program. Because what happens is that once you go to obedience school, propaganda reinforces what you were taught in obedience, in schools of obedience. And I think that's key. What you're saying is propaganda. I can walk down Main Street and shoot somebody, and I won't have to suffer the consequences. That wasn't just a statement you put out. Who are you talking about, Chief? When, uh, when uh, the illustrious president said that he could walk down Main Street and shoot somebody, you don't remember that? It was very, it was a big deal when he said it. Mm-mm. Who said that? Uh, the illustrious president. Which which one, Keith? Well, from from you, from your tone of voice and your body language, I already know. When did Trump say that? Uh, back when he was uh, still running for his presidency. Okay, I do remember that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that wasn't just a statement put out. He was passing, we're preparing a road that, you know, that yeah. was propaganda. Yeah. See, the thing about it was that he he said it and was bra- and bragging about it. Absolutely. The ones that are really institutionalized, they don't brag about it because guess what? They've been using that power for so long. They've been using well. They've been using those tactics for so long. This is just second nature to us. This is what this is what we do. And remember, don't ruffle the feathers. Don't don't wake up the sleeping idiots. Because if you disturb them and they happen to wake up, we ain't got a chance. We ain't got a chance. So, in today's show, I want to. Take a look at the obvious threat that we're schooled not to stand against. And the obvious threat that stands before us, his, if you really look at every single one of our problems, the solution remains the same, but we haven't been given the okay by those that we fear to have that type of campaign. Because in having that type of campaign, it would be campaigning against everything that was taught to us, propagandized, and and through our school of obedience. This is why, when I say school of obedience, Keith, I want to make sure I'm clear. When you send your children to school, I don't care if it's a good school district, I don't care if it's known as a affluent school district or a really good school district. I don't care if it's a private school or public school. All of them are actually funded by the same thing, and it actually started with, with, with um, it's under the program of Carnegie, when An- where Andrew Ca- Carnegie's program is with all of the schools. And then you got the Jesuits. You got Jesuit schools all over the place. Those, those are actually... Say, um, Carnegie, are you talking about when... He- that wasn't Carnegie. That yeah, it was, was Carnegie. Uh, I thought it was Roosevelt that said uh, he wanted a two-tier educational system. Is that what you're referring uh, to? Yeah, right. But it was all it was all put together by 
the Rockefellers in, in, in Carnegie. Okay. They, they established the Board of Education. In establishing the Board of Education, it was actually establishment with, with Rockefeller with uh, Rockefeller said, I don't want a nation of thinkers. Right. I don't want anybody that thinks. I want a nation of workers. Right. A nation of workers means a nation of slaves. But see, he just didn't say slaves. See, it's just kind of like this. We, we are so infantile and so immature in our thoughts that we, we say that the devil has to present itself as the devil and we don't see the great creator unless, it, unless it's a rock speaks to you or, or, or this or that speaks to you. You can't see and hear the, the truth all, all around us because we're blind to it. And, but the thing is that children aren't until they've been schooled what to see, what to smell, what to think. We were actually groomed to interdependency at all levels, it doesn't matter what the size of your overall bank account is. The real measure of who you are is where your will takes you. Is where your will takes you. What are you willfully uh, participating in? What do you choose to give your energy to? What do you choose to uphold? And I'm going to tell you, It's a very daunting task when you find yourself at the bottom of the abyss, submerged at the bottom of the sea, and then you wake up and you realize that, oh, shoot, the, the, sea, the sea that I'm in, the ocean of, of turmoil that I'm in is deep. And in order for you to get to the surface, Keith, you find yourself thousands of phantoms below the surface. And I think that's where the United States... Well, I'm talking individually, when people, when people realize that, they realize that they are thousands of phantoms deep in the sea. But that, does that mean that they... But that doesn't mean now that you realize that you are submerged so deeply in it, that means in order for you to get to the surface, you got a long way to go. But does that mean that you shouldn't start that journey? And that, that journey, in those, in those, that turbulent sea that you're going to have to contend against, does that mean that that turbulence is going to go away? Does that mean that those challenges and those obstacles are going to go away? Just because you realize that, hey, I'm in this system and I'm at the bottom of the sea of this system, there's going to be challenges for you to get to the surface. And you shouldn't be discouraged by that. That's just the nature of the truth. Because you may realize that now, but guess what? All of the infrastructure, all of the culture, all of the prevailing directions is upholding that. You're going to go, that's a jet stream. That's a, that's a, a, a headwind. Like, you know, that's a, a sizable, that's, I mean, that's a very, you know, formidable force that you're going to be going against whether you like it or not because it's still there. And the current is going to try to push you back and to do what? Go with the flow. 
but you're going to have to swim against the current. Well, and unfortunately, I agree with you 100% again. But unfortunately, if you look at... Well, Keith, we got to go to a commercial break since you disagree with me. we got to go to a commercial break. And then when we come back out of the commercial break, hopefully you'll remember what you disagreed with me about. So you, you, see, you see how I did that, Keith? You like that? But I didn't disagree with you. But I know. I, you, all right. Well, we get ready to go to a commercial break. When we come back, um, I want to get into some things and, and talk about something. And hopefully we stand against the obvious, Keith. And it's right here before us. You're listening to Tando Radio Show brought to you by Black Talk Radio Network. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Scotty, give me uh, three minutes. i got to make a very important phone call, and then I'll be right back on air. You're listening to Tango Radio Show brought to you by Black Talk Radio Network. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Yet our best trained, best educated, best equipped, best prepared troops refuse to fight. Matter of fact, it's safe to say that they would rather switch than fight.
Talk Radio, your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium. Welcome back, everyone, to Tango Radio Show, brought to you by Black Talk Radio Network. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, give us a call, 704-802-5056. 704-802-5056 is the call-in number. And today's show, The Obvious Threats We're School Not to Stand Against, is what we're talking about. And Pastor Keith had something before we went into the commercial break. I know I, I interrupted uh, his overall chain of thought so that I don't know if we're going to be able to get to the point that he wanted to make, but we're going to give him a shot to do just that. If not, uh, we're going to get ready to get back into the show. Pastor Keith. All right, so so the break out. wasn't long enough. Um, there you go. Go ahead, Keith. It was uh, you were talking about because you find yourself so far so many legs underwater. That doesn't mean you can't fight to get back. That you have to take that stand. That you gotta. But and I agree with that. You're 100 percent correct. However, unfortunately, studies have shown that nations that are in that downward cycle. Yeah. When the people find out where they are, rarely, if ever, do they mass together and do what you said needs to be done. Yeah. You're exactly right that that's what needs to be done. And the United States is no different. If you look at the people, they're not rallying together. To under, as a matter of fact, let's look at what's going on in our policy right now. Mm-hmm. We grew up, uh, grew up with the same all the time, right? No man is above the law, all right? No man is above the law. But right now, we have a scenario where the president is supposedly there's enough proof positive out there for them to charge him with a multitude of felonies. And all of a sudden now they're saying, well, we can't charge him, he's the president. So again, the United States, they see the hole that they're in, they see the problems that they're having, but they refuse to do anything to change it. Yeah. You got it's, it's, uh, you got a new boss. Meet your new boss. Meet your new king. Meet your, meet your new king. Meet your new boss. Same as your last boss. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. So, so yeah, and, and keep, just before we go into it, and, you know, it's kind of, I want everyone to think, think of it, and, and, and I think everyone gets it. They, we, can, we can see the formidable task it takes for us to get the collective movement that would be in our best interest. But here's the thing. That's not our, that's not our overall requirement to actually see it get there. I think that is important for us to do as much as we possibly can for that to facilitate because – 
I can only control my reactions to things. And so my reaction to things is that even though I'm 40,000 leagues beneath the sea, uh, however, you know, thousands of phantoms beneath the surface of the ocean, my overall day-to-day experience in life as an individual person is not completely defined by those obstacles. At the bottom of the sea, I'm still free. I explain that. I'm still free because I resist and I'm not giving my energy as much as I possibly can to what physically holds me because my physical body is temporary. My physical state is momentary. I'm not going to allow my momentary to actually suppress my eternal. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the same capabilities that my talents and my overall will is one will. And it's not going to change this this system. This, This system will only be changed when there is an energy force that's greater than this system by the multitudes of people that have that same overall will. And until that happens, I'm waiting for that energy, my energy, to connect with others that have that same energy so for to get there. And guess what, Keith? It may never happen in my physical lifetime. That, but I'm already free because I resisted. Okay, so I got a scary From thought. From the bottom. Scary thought that goes in line with what you're saying, which was what I was about to say. You weren't about to say that. We have to regress. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Yes. Back to a time in which we were in slavery. And what I mean by that is they were, because of their, probably because of their religion, they were willing to take that attitude that you just said and say, you know what, my life here is almost done. All I can do is to work to make things better for my offspring. They were in a position that they were ready to do all they could to sacrifice all they were to make it a better day someday for somebody else. And that's almost what you'd have to do. Yeah, and it's... And I think that events are going to happen that are going to be opportunities for us to maximize. Here's an opportunity for us to gain, to gain ground. Here's an opportunity for us to get momentum. Here's an opportunity for us to build. Here's an opportunity for us to, to establish. But the establishment has to be rooted firmly in you regardless of where we are, regardless of where we are. And so that's my overall, I well, just wanted to say that. And see, and here's the thing that confound the even things even farther. Whereas I said we would have to regress 
back yeah, to without the slave mentality, it's three times, it would be ten times harder. Because the slaves came over with a certain attitude. Where African Americans and the people are, where Americans for that matter, to go back to such a mentality, I don't even think that's possible as a mass, you know, as a whole. Like you said, you're going to have individuals that react to certain things in a certain way, but in mass, which probably goes back to what I was saying, whereas if you look at history, when you look at empires that are on the verge of crumbling, the people in mass do not correct in a manner. No, they don't. No. no, but the warning signs are there for those individuals that's on the bottom at, that, ha that are actually uh, um, submerged in all that. The, the warning signs are there for them. Guess what? Something is in the midst. Something is coming, and that's where we are. This is what my overall approach is. So it goes back to whatever you're talking about, you always have exceptions. So kind of what we're talking about is you, whoever is listening has to look at themselves almost as an exception. Look at what the masses are doing and move in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hold on. Let me... Um Real quick, Chief, let me, let me, something I got to, I want to check out real quick. So see, see what this propaganda is. Where am I? Excuse me, y'all. Okay. Um, I got to close some things in order to, uh, there's an article that I want to take a look at, and it's, it's, it's what's here. Uh, I mean, what's, it's, it's facing us, and I think it's, it's critical. You know, Keith? We all can see, and we're all preparing for, as much as we possibly can, for what we talk about on this show. There's a lot of different things that we need to prepare for because there is a, a malevolent agenda that's, that is in our midst. And there is a, oh, shoot. Okay, cool. Hopefully I didn't mess that up. Okay, good. Thank you. There is an article real quick that that I wanted to 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 express and I'm gonna say that somebody's about to make a mistake. A major, 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 major mistake. See once once you get in the bed with the devil, guess what? Any deal you make with the devil, you're gonna lo always lose your soul. There's an article real real quickly, and this is why we can't make deals with the devil. That gets you into beneath the overall. See, you you're at you you're at the bottom of the sea beneath the overall sea sea floor. Now check this out. There's an article from from the Washington Post. You ready, Keith? Mm -hmm. Gotta post this. Very important. Let me tell you why. A frustrated Trump questions his administration's Venezuela strategy. Say that again. A frustrated Donald Trump questions 
his administration's Venezuelan strategy. What does that mean? Trump is saying that, yo, Bolden is trying to start a war in Venezuela. Hold on. Check it out. President Trump is questioning his administration's aggressive strategy in Venezuela following the failure of a U.S.-backed effort to oust President Nicolas Maduro, complaining he was misled by how, about how easy it would be to replace this socialist strongman with a young opposition figure, according to administration officials and the White House advisors. The president is dissatisfied and has crystallized around the national security advisors, John Bolden, and what Trump has, whoops, move this down. I mean, come on, don't. <laughs> okay, what Trump has, you move it, stop. saying that Bolden is an uh, interventionist uh, stance at odds with his view that the United States should stay out of form quagmires. Trump has said in recent days that Bolden wants to get him into a war. A comment that he made in just, in just the, uh, excuse me, a comment that he has made in just in the past but now betrays his more serious concern. The administration's policy is officially unchanged in the wake of a fifth power play that last week by the United States-backed opposition Juan Guaido. The U.S. officials have since been more cautious in their predictions of Maduro's swift, swift exit. While, reassert, while re, uh, reassessing that one official described it as the likelihood of a, a diplomatic long haul. U.S. officials pointed that presidential's uh, stated commitment to Venezuela's issue from the first week of his presidency as evidence that he holds a realistic view of challenges that are, that their uh, challenges there that do not think that there is a quick fix. He doesn't think there's a quick fix. But Trump has nevertheless complained over the past week that Bolden and others underestimated Maduro, according to three senior administration officials, who, like others interviewed for this story, spoke on the conditions of anonymity to discuss the private deliberations. Okay, what's happening here? Wait, 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 wait. Here it is. Last, last part. Trump has said that Maduro is, is, is a tough cookie and that aid should not have led him to believe that the Venezuelan leader could be ousted last week when Guaido led mass, uh, mass street protests that turned deadly. Instead, Maduro rejected an offer to leave the country and two key figures in his government backed out of what Bolden said had been a plan to defect, Maduro publicly mocked Trump in a response and said that he wasn't going to go anywhere, saying that the United States had attempted a foolish coup. Keith, what do you have going on there? 
my question is, what is the purpose of that art? I'm going to tell you in my, what I think it is in a minute. But, uh, Scotty, go ahead. No, excuse me, this West from Oakland. Oh, hey, I'm sorry about that, brother. I did hear somebody. I'm sorry about that. What's going on, brother, out of Oakland? How you doing? Uh, what say you? Hey, hey, I, you know, I told you, I be listening to you. I just wanted to say one thing to uh, Scotty. He, he, I asked about this before, one of the first time I called in. He ain't going nowhere as long as Putin, Putin tell Trump what to do. I keep telling you that. Putin told Trump not yeah. to go. That's why they're not going, and that's all I got to say about it. Whatever Putin says, that's what Trump does. I'm out. And, 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 and let, let, let me, let me I agree, because that was the point that I was, was going to make. And I'm going to give you some things as to, to what that really, really was. And, and this isn't the first time that we expressed, we really, I really expressed this way back during the overall election. That, 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 and, and I'm going to tell you what I think is really happening. But go ahead, Keith. Well, I agree with the caller 100%. And I'm going to tell you, and this is definitely going to bring about a war. I think that um, that article is about protecting Trump in some strange way. And, and the reason being is because Trump shut down everything else. Now all of a sudden he can't shut down the way his administration is going. Really? So this is about to be ugly. They know that it's about to be ugly, but they're trying to pay the path that Trump's not the one responsible for leading us headlong into this war. I'm, I'm just, I, I hear you keep, and I'm just going, I, I just repress it this way. Bolden and his cohorts and others in their cohorts, they're staff members that worked in the White House. I'm going to say something that there was a staff member, and they said something to Nancy Reagan a long, long time ago. Nancy Reagan had told one of the staff members to do something. And as the story goes, and the staff member told her no. And this is the staff member that works at the White House, right? And Nancy said to her, said to him, because they realized when the person said no, that they were stern in their no. And she read the body language. And Nancy Reagan did this. She did the smart thing. She said, can I ask you why you can tell me no? You know what the staff person said? Presidents are only here for four or eight years. I'm here forever. Hey Dave, um, let me respond to because um, Saint Anger of the Young Turks put that out on Twitter talking about Putin told told uh, Trump to withdraw from Venezuela or not to invade Venezuela, and and Saint got roundly uh, clown for saying that because he said, "Oh, this is direct evidence that Putin is giving." Trump marching orders. Okay, first of all, this is how I look at it. It don't matter who said what. The 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 run up to invade Venezuela is not in my interest. And I don't go along right. with it. Uh, you know, I don't go right. along with it. So what I think, you know, Trump did run on a campaign, but a lot of people run campaigns and they say one thing, but when they get in the office, they do another. But he did run on 
pulling us out of all of these wars and to stop meddling in all these other countries um, affairs and what have you and that's why many non-establishment folks voted for him they didn't vote all of them wasn't racist all of them wasn't Republicans. It was a lot of independents who just wanted to throw a monkey wrench in the system. And he was saying that, you know, he was going to do things differently. We weren't going to, you know, keep uh, invading countries and what have you. So Trump on record for yeah. saying that. But it's been the exact yeah. opposite. I knew it was going to be the opposite when he appointed Bolden, when he appointed yeah. Uh, uh, these neocon war hawks when he appointed Elliot Abrams a known war criminal okay and and, and so you know regardless I, I don't know what Trump is doing you know I, I'm not even going to try to figure him out he say one thing do another thing he do one thing say another thing the, the man never tells the truth so you know you really can't gauge anything but this is what I think Trump was probably told I think that they they used the Dick Cheney line on Iraq. Oh, they'll greet us as liberators. That's what they told. That's what they probably told Donald yeah. Trump. Look, Guaido has the ear of the people. The people will follow him. Um, you know, we just got to be prepared to go in and back them up. Uh, when he called for this coup, just watch the military all defect to his side and all that. And, uh, and then the people will greet us as liberators. Uh, the same lie that was told to George Bush by Dick Cheney, you know, that uh, Iraq is going to greet us as, as liberators. And, and so, you know, um, I, I just hope it doesn't, doesn't happen, but I don't think these neocons yeah. going to give up so easily. No, right. Scotty. No, no, they're right. And Scotty was exactly because that's what some of the things that I wanted to remember Remember what Trump said, you know, the United States has done some very evil things around the world. He, he said, it. we've done it. We haven't been the best country around. You may not want to admit it, but it's the truth. And we need to have relationships with these countries. So it was a lot, of, as Scotty said, he was on the record with those things. Here's what, here's what I think is very, very significant. And what, and what Scotty said, I want to just add to. Those neocons aren't going to give up. See, one of the things that's very important in this whole thing is that sometimes when individuals become the so-called celebrity figurehead, head of state, and then they think that they really in charge of something, then they find out that they not, guess what they do to those individuals? We're going to get rid of you now. This is what I've always thought, and this is what now is starting to come to full fruition. The neocon's going to get rid of Trump. He's very, he's, 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 he's not an insider, right? They're, he's a celebrity figurehead to the max. They're going to get rid of him. He serves a purpose. They're going to get rid of him. Guess who they really want there? Don't say it. Mike Pence. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. That's who they really want there. Don't say it. Oh, my God. And that's what they're going to get. They really wanted now, Hillary Clinton, but, you know, things didn't go as planned. Exactly, Scotty. They really wanted one of the, 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 the staunchest neocons in Hillary Clinton. Remember Hillary Clinton? We came, we saw it, he died. And if you look at, if you look at when they were, she was looking at the overall videotaping of when they killed Gaddafi, she was like, oh, oh, oh. 
Did you see the gleam in her? And then the assistant that gave her, I forget her name, she was married to the, the to, to 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 the the um pedophile oh, husband. Chicago. What's his name? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. or something right, like that. Right, right. When when Zuma gave her the, the phone to watch the video, look at her body language. So what this is now right here is that the system is is letting you know and their cohorts know, because Bolden last week he went out there to make a speech about a coup. Why did he go out there? That's not his role. Supposedly, that's not his role. And when they talked to him, if you notice, they kept calling him what? The ambassador. Right? It's not his role. See, like Cheney was the overall directive in Lil Bushes. Bolden and the neocons are the directives in this one. But in this one, they got a, they got a celebrity figurehead dude on the hook. Let me tell you why they got him on the hook. They, in my opinion, he was the perfect person to put in because of this. They know that they have ties and they can tie him to Russia. And I'm going to tell you how they have. Well, and he's already tied into Russia. But, but Keith, no, but, yes, but I'm going to tell you what the, what the big one is that they don't talk about as much. Here's how he's tied to Russia, and they got him, hook, line, and sinker. And they're going to, the neocons are going to use that to their advantage because it was already staged. The key to committing a crime is to clean it up before you do, do it. Here's where they got celebrity figurehead Trump, dead to locker, is in his banking. And in, in his international banking, particularly with Deutsche Bank, that relationship that, that he had with Deutsche Bank, when Deutsche Bank forgave him, when we talked about this a while, remember Deutsche Bank was saying that they were going to sell off Donald Trump's loan. Now, you got to know who Deutsche Bank is and what their role globally is and how significant it is. Here's how they got them. And it's going to start to come out more. And the overall starting of it has come out. Deutsche Bank, the loans that they gave him an exorbitant amount of loans, that he didn't qualify for, that any person, but they gave it to him at directives of who, who has the overall influence to get him the loans oh, that would be his death nail, that would be the, the, the nail in his coffin to where he would always be beholden and would, and would be manipulated and, and actually blackmailed under. It was in his loan to Deutsche Bank. Because guess what Deutsche Bank did? They had to collateralize or, or, or make that loan based off somebody else's backing. 
Guess who that backing was probably going to come from? Putin. The Russian oligarchs. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, wait a minute, because, wait a minute, guess who those loans were ultimately when Deutsche Bank didn't want to have anything more to do with this, guess who Deutsche Bank sold those loans to? Russian oligarchs. Sure, but the, the, the problem with that is, and there's no problem with that, but the problem with that is that ain't news. No, no, Keith, it's, it's, it's not news, but it's impact. Because here's, here's the thing about those, overall, about those overall deals. Now when you control, it's, it's a form of you control the loans that somebody else, and all of a sudden you're forgiven loans, you don't forgive $400 million for loans. What they did was they said, hey, we're going to sell this loan off to somebody else. We're going to give the overall, the, we'll service the loan, we'll collect on it, but we're going to sell this loan to somebody else. And guess what? There was an opportune buyer. And do you think that Trump didn't know that his loan was sold? Anybody that loans get sold, guess what you do? You get a notification that your loan has been sold. This is where your payment has to go now. This is where your payment has to go now. It no longer goes to this person. It goes here now. And then you'll be like, what? Who are these people? Oh, well, they sold your loan to them. So what is that? And I'm going to tell you, all of this is, is all completely known. It's completely known. Now when Trump gets out of line, guess what they have? See, Kennedy made the, the mistake. He thought he was really president. And in thinking he was really president, what the, the smartest thing to do Instead of speaking out against him, this is why he had, go back and listen to the president in the press at the Waldorf Astorian Hotel, where Kennedy pretty much disclosed everything. And once he did that, he became, he became a target. Here's why. Because we paid you. You got to look at where the Kennedys got their overall uh, uh, funding from. It came during prohibition and bootlegging, right? So we paid you to do what you're supposed to do. See, one thing about it is that once you join a gang, you can't leave with anything that you came with. You came here with nothing, you're going to leave here with nothing, and you're going to try to exploit. No, this is where they get you. And so now... You're starting to hear this, and I don't really think that Trump, celebrity figurehead Trump, wants to continue to be, he never really wanted to be a president. No. But guess what happened? Guess what happened? He got so desperate in his overall business deals that were going so, so fast that he said, what do I got to do? Oh, I heard the Clintons recruited him to run. You know, they went to his wedding. Bill Clinton golfs with him. 
and, and what have yep. you. So if, if people think that they, I mean, that was just political theater, you know, uh, uh, like Trump theater. and the Clintons are, are enemies or represent, you know, a uh, different ideology. But no, I mean, Bill Clinton and hold them. On, hold on, Scotty, 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 you just hurt past the chief's feelings. So I just wanted you to know before you finish what you said, you just, you'll be all right. You'll be all right, chief. The truth, the truth, uh, you, you'll be able to take it. But go ahead, Scotty. But yeah, they they recruited him because they thought that he'd be the easiest person to beat because they knew that just his personality that and knowing that he was a racist and who wasn't as codified as they were, um, you know it, it, that that people would just not vote for him or what have you. But again, you know, some people, some independents threw a monkey wrench in that plan. That's why you saw wall-to-wall CNN coverage of Trump's empty podium, even when he wasn't up there speaking. That was because they want, they used the media to pump up, uh, uh, hype up Donald Trump and what have you, but they never thought that, you know, it was going to go down like it went down. They thought it was going to be a cakewalk for Hillary, but I guess they just didn't bank on how unpopular Hillary was, you know? So, um, Trump, I, I agree, Trump never wanted to be president. But now... And, and the near saw an opportunity. Saw an opportunity. Somebody that they could control. Let me tell you why that won't work. Because what, the reason why that don't work is I agree with you again 100%. Hillary did do that and, and put them up there. because you, but, but you guys are you guys are biting your own clothes because this is something. I don't want tofu. The, the, the thing is, you got to remember, they won the popular vote. The powers that be reversed it on the electoral vote. Now, if you think that they don't control that electoral vote, and that's what you would, you'd have to forget about that to put Trump to think that they did all of that. They know what time it is. Well, I'm going to disagree with you, Keith. How long has the electoral college been in existence? It didn't just... It's been there. It didn't, right, right. It didn't just start right. yesterday, Okay. So everybody, everybody knows in every presidential election I have watched and they show the maps and stuff and how many other states and how many electoral votes is up for grabs in, in that state. So the electors in the electoral college are supposed to vote based on the popular vote of their of their state. Who won the popular vote? So Hillary Clinton won. All of one California, the most populous state in in the union, with millions and millions of people. That's that's where her so-called popular vote lead came from. But the thing was is that that just you have to win the electoral college. This has always been been the case. And then cause Hillary Clinton let a loss. Now all of a sudden people look inside eye at the electoral college. Well, show me electoral uh, college member that voted uh, opposite of the popular vote in their state. You can't show it to me cause it didn't happen. It's only happened one time that I know of where a person who was an elector was supposed to cast a vote for for some person and they didn't and they cast it for Ron Paul instead. 
That's the only time I've known of an elector in the electoral college not voting the way his district popular vote came out. But that's not what happened with Hillary Clinton. And even Obama just came out and said, nobody told her to ignore Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania to not to campaign there, uh, uh, which which was what she lost and what cost her the electoral college. But at the end of the day, I'm glad she ain't in there, man. I mean, again, if anybody watched that video of her watching, uh, uh, getting the news that Gaddafi had been murdered, and you look at her reaction, her body language, just all of her, that's an evil-ass woman. Very, very evil. She worse than Trump in my book. She certainly has okay, more so blood on her hands than Trump at this point. Okay, so I would agree with you, Scotty, if the electoral vote was uh, a positive, like, like you're seeing that to speak of it as now. The electoral vote was simply put in there so that it can be controlled by a much smaller number of uh, oligarchs. Well, well, so I read, well that could be true, Keith. That you can't recall a time that it was ever reversed. Well, the, the only time I can recall is with the uh, reconstruction of slavery. At a time that they wanted to do something desperately, and the few that uh, wanted to get it done was the very, very rich of the country, so they reversed it, and that's when it was used. Well, I don't see this being any different. So I would agree with you if, yes, that's the way it worked, but I don't see it that way. Well, I, 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 I do. You know, I read, a, I read that the Electoral that. College was created to prevent mob rule. That's what I heard it was created. No. So no. it also, so that the state... Here's why the electoral vote was created. The reason why the electoral vote was created because it allowed the most powerful slave owners to have a much bigger say. That's why um, I, I don't. I, I don't agree created. with you. That's not my what I read and studying the electoral college. What you're talking about is the three fifths clause, where no, where sir. the northern states not did not want slaves counted at all and the southern states wanted to count all the slaves because representation the number of seats you have in congress is based on the state population number so the compromise was okay we're not gonna let you count all the slaves but we're gonna let you count three out of five that's the three-fifths compromise that's You're what exactly right that that has exactly nothing to right. do with the electoral college that you're exactly right. That's what the three-fifths compromise was. But one doesn't exclude what has to do with the other. The electoral vote was still that it allowed a much smaller number of people to have a much, much, much bigger say. Oh, than oh, oh, the okay, Keith, so what vote. you need to do is find some evidence and send it to me that shows okay. where the electoral college did not vote the way they were supposed to vote. Uh, in their state. Again, you have so many electors from the state of North Carolina. How do those electors supposed to vote? They're supposed to vote by how whoever won the popular vote in North Carolina. And so you would have to show me 
uh, where those electors voted against what the popular vote said. California, Hillary Clinton got all of the electoral votes of California. Okay, but she just she you can't win the presidency on California alone. She did not. I mean, I mean, by most most people have said she's just a terrible campaigner. I think Barack Obama said she ran a soulless scripted campaign. So, you know, it, it's neither here or there, uh, in, in, in my opinion. Either way, whether it was Donald Trump, whether it was Hillary Clinton, we was going to get a racist in power uh, who don't care nothing about the everyday man, woman, and, and, and child. So either way it go, you know what I'm saying? I, I just feel yeah. like Donald Trump, though, I would rather have Trump because he may lead it into, uh, you know, um, the untied states of America and, and cause the corporation go bankrupt like all his other businesses. Yeah. And, you know, here, here's what, in, in that overall election, all of the electoral colleges voted the way that the overall so-called electoral, I mean, the, the popular vote of that state was supposed to go. So remember there was some contention Wait. that hopefully for only thing that remember this was the contention during that election with Trump and, 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 and Clinton. And I don't like to get into this type of stuff. We're gonna carry this this show that we had here. Uh this is why I don't like to talk about politics because we get away from the, the storyline. <laughs> so this is this is this is where if you remember, they were hoping that there were electoral college officials that would break rank for Clinton, and they wouldn't. That was what happened in that one. And you know me, I don't. I'm a political atheist. So, but that in that one, that's that's exactly in that election. That's what happened. They they were hoping the only way they would keep, keep Trump from from taking the overall seat was if. Some people would break rank on the electoral college, and they didn't. And they didn't. So, but let me just say this: this article with with Trump and Bolden is very important. Here's what you're going to see: the neocons are now going to get even more subversive, and that's very dangerous because what's going to happen is that John Bolden represents he is not the decision maker. What's going to happen is that they are going to get what they want, and they're going to push for this even more. And where they're going to push for this is multi-front. It's multi-front. It's going to be in Iran and South Sea of China. Venezuela is not off the table. Because remember what I read earlier. Here's what's, what's up. Pence, what did Pence say? The key words that neocons are using for all of their war engagements. That, what did Mike Pence say? That Venezuela is harboring Iranian terrorists. Now, what is, why is the, the, why is the U.S. sending the sixth fleet, the USS Abraham Lincoln over to the Persian Gulf right now? And, and to, uh, to, towards Cause, Iraq. Cause they because claim, they, 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 they claim that 
Iran will use its proxies to commit acts of terrorism against U.S. troops. So what they're going to do here, Dave, what they're going to do here, I already see what the game plan is if they go to war. If they go to war, they're going to go to war under the label of war on terrorism, and they're going to say the Patriot Act authorized them to and and all, all of that. And so we don't need no declaration of war from Congress and, and all that because you already gave us a blank check to uh, fight terrorism back during the Bush years. Yep, he's absolutely yep, Scotty. That's absolutely it. That's what I'm seeing as well. So, and then they're going to use then they're going to get an actual congressional de- declaration of war. Here's how they're going to get it: when the USS Abraham Lincoln is sunk. In the, it, it, or it is, is something happens uh, somewhere, or Israel is attacked by, by, or, or, or the counterattack by Iran, uh, I mean, renders significant losses on the Israeli side. That's when they're going to say, guess what? We're going to get authorization from. Yeah, and let's not make the mistake of thinking that the Democrats are the opposition party when it comes to matter of war. They're fully on board with it. They're fully on board with it. You don't hear any other Democratic leadership calling out Trump on on his language and causing instability. Look, look, look at the markets and what have you. So you know they already they down with Venezuela again. I'm talking about the leadership and the majority of the Democrats. One or two or three uh, people like Tulsi Gabbard or Bernie Sanders or or Ilhan Omar uh, saying that this is wrong. That that's just that's only three or four people. The rest of them is on board. Yep. And you better believe that Israeli lobby, like Ilhan pointed out, is is working in overtime to set this all up. And one last thing that came to my mind. Um, and if you don't have never heard of this, the name of this ship, you should look it up. But don't be surprised if we have another USS Liberty situation go down. Yep. Yep. They yep. tell tell them that what is- tell them what the US Liberty what happened. The the USS Liberty was a a warship that was um, in the Gulf of Tonkin. And no, no, that, no, no, not the Gulf of Tonkin. Uh, yeah, I, oh, I think was, you're confused. Uh, it, it was during the Six-Day uh, War. It was a, a spy ship who was listening in. That was, that was yeah. attacked by the Israelis. Attacked by the Israelis. And then when they had the abandoned ship, Israeli warplanes fired and killed and murdered uh, naval uh, 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 Navy seamen who were out there in the sea waiting to be rescued. They fired on them. Okay, so right. and, and it was my bag. I got the, the Gulf of Tonkin, and, and that one exactly. It was the spy ship that was actually fired on by Israel to get the United States into into supporting, and they're going to do that exact same same thing here, and. Because it's worked before, and now, and what happens is that it's so deep that they, the USS Liberty was even uh, was even sending out communications that it was an Israeli plane that was firing on them, and that message was killed. Yeah, and the Israelis tried to claim that they didn't know 
or whatnot, but like the soldiers, yeah. some of the uh, people yeah. that was on the ship said, well, we had this big giant American flag on it. You know what I'm saying? So they yeah. knew. Yeah. yeah. And so that is going to, to be the play again. But this time they don't even need an Israeli plane to attack on it, to, to attack it. Everything is set up perfectly, perfectly, perfectly. Because of that geographical area, is very easy. Yeah, they could do like the USS Cole and just, you know what they, I'm saying? Remember the USS Cole? And it had a whole blue blue into it where they can yep. get some of their Maasai assets to do that. Yep, very easily. Very easily. And, and the Cole was hit where, where a speedboat was able to get close enough to it and then... Uh, and, and and then to you remember that was the one chief that had the big hole in it, yeah, yeah, and darn near almost sunk. Yeah, everybody acts like they didn't. And and, and and then remember, remember everything is hot, and Israel is ready to hit Iran right now, and Iran won't be able. Iran doesn't have an air force that can contend with the Israeli air force, none whatsoever. They got old planes that can't. The thing that Iran does have and what they wouldn't be capable of is you just don't know their their ballistic missile capability. That's that's the real the real hat. But another thing, you can't invade Iran. Anybody that tries to invade Iran, you foolish. Well, and don't like, don't they got the uh Russian SAM four hundred or three hundred or whatever that is? Yeah, they. I think they got the S. Uh, they probably got the S. Uh, Five hundred or, or S. I know they got the, at least the S. Four hundred um, in, in there. Uh, probably from what I from what I remember. But you know that Israel. Uh, oh shoot, what am I messing up? Iran is not a country that you can invade. Oh, they run into the same problem that Germany ran into Russia. Russia is too big, too vast, and that population. They're not going to let you come up in there. No, what so, they'll try to do is what they tried to do to Iraq, and that's just bomb it. Just bomb it from the yep. air, um, you know, like uh, uh, Bush Sr. did. Bomb it from the air, and then act like you don't need no ground troops or what have you. But no, yep. I, I don't think it's going to go down like that. Yeah, because, it, it, you know, they'll definitely be able to command those. But here's the problem. What is China and Russia going to do? That's going to be the big thing, and it, it spins off to there. But, hey, we got to get ready to get out of here. We'll definitely, um, the, we'll definitely get into this again. Very, very important uh, stuff that's happening, and, and I hope that we stand. And how we stand is that it has to be an individual stand against the obvious threat and take it from you as a person, from a person level, because of what we're going to be facing at a family level and as a community level, position yourself to prepare for this, and you'll 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 do well. Align yourself with like-minded individuals that are about the overall collective good of of the individuals that, that are ready to defend and are ready to protect. So that is very very important because things can change drastically quickly now. So we got to get ready to get out of here. Great great show. Thank you all uh, for. For listening, participating. Much love, much respect, uh, Pastor Keith. 
thank you for co-hosting. Scotty, thank you for co-hosting as well and doing all that you do. Greatly appreciate you guys. So it's never goodbye. As always, we'll see you later. And remember, don't ask for a fortune that you're not willing to first give away. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Gold dinar would have had serious consequences for the world financial system, but may also have empowered the people of Africa, something black activists say the U.S. wants to avoid at all costs. We're slicing cake. We're slicing cake. We're slicing cake. Say the U.S. wants to avoid at all costs. We're slicing cake. Say the U.S. wants to avoid.